0: To the latest episode of Public Power, Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director of APPA. Today we have the pleasure of uh, having as our guest Tom Falcone, CEO of Long Island Power Authority. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. Sure, sure. So, Tom, um, just going to get things started, I um, wanted to focus the first couple of questions on offshore wind, uh, one from, a, I guess, kind of a, a East Coast perspective, and one from a, a national level perspective. Um, looking at kind of the East Coast angle first, uh, um, could you talk about the significance of the recent adoption of a um, joint proposal to build a transmission line that would link um, the proposed South Fork offshore wind farm to a substation uh, in East Hampton?
1: Sure, uh, thanks for the question, Paul. You know that is a small part of a larger effort. You're asking about a uh, a particular uh, wind farm that we signed a contract for and. The permit that came through you're asking about is a permit that allows us to land the cable from the offshore wind farm, which is physically located about 30 miles off Long Island, onto a location in East Hampton, where it would connect to a LIPA substation. So uh, by a small part of a larger effort, I mean that over the next 10 to 15 years, there is going to be tens of thousands of megawatts of offshore wind. That's going to land in the electric uh, grids of the Northeast, New York, New England, down through Virginia. There's a lot on the on the way, a lot already awarded, and a lot in the pipeline. That particular project, the South Fork project, that got that recent permit. The journey for Lipo on that started back in June of 15. We issued an RFP, and we ultimately selected the project. And at that time, there was only one offshore wind project in the U.S. that was built, and that is in. Rhode Island state waters, not that far from our service territory, but we had signed at the time we signed it, it was we were really the first electric utility to sign a PPA for a project to be built in federal waters like this. So it was a small project, but an important one. And I think it really got a lot of attention and spurred a lot of innovation after that. Uh, To give you an example offshore wind leases that the federal government was auctioning off for basically peanuts suddenly started to go for real money. Uh, New York adopted a 9,000 megawatt goal, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Suddenly, uh, it seemed like offshore wind's time had come here in the United States. So uh, it's an important milestone. It's uh, something we're very uh, proud of, this particular project. Uh, it's, a, it's another permitting milestone in the step to a commercial operation date at the end of 2023, but it's really a small part of a, a very large pipeline of projects that's coming in the Northeast.
0: Okay, great. And then um, President Biden recently um, announced uh, plans to deploy 30 gigawatts of offshore wind in the U.S. by 2030, so I'd love to get your thoughts on on that proposal.
1: Yeah, it's 30 gigawatts. It's very, very feasible. Uh, States have already made commitments for more than 20 uh, gigawatts or 20,000 megawatts. Uh, And to just give you perspective on that, that sounds like a ton. There's already about 18 to 20,000 megawatts of offshore wind operating in Europe. So the technology is there. People know how to do it. It's improving, it's just a nascent industry in the United States. So New York's on this path, a lot of the uh, places in the Northeast are on this path because we have these very, very aggressive goals to get to a carbon free electric grid by 2040. And the only way you're gonna get there is with a resource like uh, offshore wind in the mix because it brings tons of renewable energy right into load centers where you need it. Uh, And it can be very cost effective when it's developed at scale. But what they're promising to do, the Biden administration, among other things, is make more lease areas available and expedite permitting at BOEM, both of which are needed to get this done.
0: Okay, great. Um, so sticking with the topic of renewable energy, I was looking through um, the authority's um, 2021 work plan and there was um, reference to um, LEPA advancing clean energy goals of New York State and it's poured through a number of actions, uh, including uh, conducting a new um, integrated resource plan. So along with the IRP, could you provide details on the steps outlined in the work plan that will help uh, LIPA advance those clean energy goals?
1: Yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff. To give you perspective, our grid has about a 5,800 megawatt peak. And by the end of 2022, we'll have interconnected about 800 megawatts of solar. That's utility and distributed. Uh, We'll have about 2,300 megawatts of offshore wind by 2026, and later this month, we're going to issue the first of two utility-scale storage RFPs that will eventually connect 400 megawatts of storage. So that's a lot of resources, uh, several thousand megawatts of resources on a 5,800 megawatt peak grid. So we're doing all those things. Meanwhile, we've retired about 900 megawatts of facilities over the last decade, And we're targeting to retire another 400 to 800 megawatts of facilities, basically one to two large baseload plants between now and 2027. So we've got a lot of activity to remake the grid. Meanwhile, in order to really hit these state carbon goals, we need to pursue electrification. That's going to reduce the carbon emissions of Long Island as a whole, because 70% of Long Island's emissions come for transportation and heating, and only 15% from electric. So we're doing things like cold climate heat pumps, which are a huge opportunity on Long Island. 40% of our customers heat with oil, and we can give them a cold climate heat pump today that will save them money uh, up front, will save them $1,000 a year on their heat bill, and will reduce their carbon emissions 40%. We're doing EVs, we're introducing time of use charging, we're doing incentivizing workplace and home charging and DC fast charging, and then to get back to your question, we're kicking off an IRP, an integrated resource plan, which will examine a longer term view of all those things. And that IRP will come out in the middle of 2022. So to take all those things together, we're doing a lot, of, uh, lot to clean the grid. Uh, we're uh, opening new facilities. We're closing older facilities. We're focused on uh, heating. We're focused on EVs. And we're going to be uh, doing this IRP or we've started this IRP, which will come out in the middle of next year, which will help guide what we're going to do from the period from really the late 2020s to 2040 and what we need to do today to be successful during that period. So we've got a lot on the hopper.
0: Great. Um, So kind of just switching gears in terms of topics. um, Could you talk about the factors um, behind rating agencies giving LIPA a series of ratings upgrades in the last few years?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, LIPA has a really great service territory. We're right outside New York City, uh, and it's just a wonderful place to live with very high levels of education, and just a great place. You can be in New York. From where I live, I can be in New York City in 30 minutes, or I can be at the beach in 15 minutes. That's a a tough combination to to hit. And there's universities and everything else. So it's a wonderful, wonderful service territory. As a uh, utility, we've got a good record, but we have one problem. We just have too much debt. And that comes from LIPA's past, where we bought an investor-owned utility, the Long Island Lighting Company, uh, about 20 years ago, and we paid for it all with bonds. So we just simply have too much debt. And what happened in 2015 was we went to our board with a with a plan and a set of financial metrics, and said, "You know, if we do this, if we adopt these, our bond ratings are going to improve." And at the time, our board was concerned because we had the lowest credit ratings of any of the large public power utilities: Baa1, A minus, A minus. Negative outlooks from all three. So we weren't heading in the right direction. But we said, you know if we do this, if the board does this, we'll have mid-A ratings within five years. And so the board approved the plan, and uh, we over the last five years have gotten two upgrades from Moody's, one from s and p and one from Fitch. And most recently, just in December, our board adopted the next five year plan. Uh, Which is going to take us to the next level and continue to reduce our debt down into the low, a debt to asset ratio into the low seventies by by 2027 or 2028, and so that'll be another round of credit rating upgrades. So it's really a part of a long term strategy. It's uh, it's not something that we're pursuing as a vanity project. It's really to create this kind of positive cycle for our customers of lower interest costs, less risk, less debt which will lead to the lowest long-term electric rates for our customers just from running a prudent business.
0: Okay, and um, so, so um, like I has a relationship with, with PSEG and um, you, you guys have been doing an options analysis related to that relationship. So um, I guess kind of a, a two-pronged question, can you talk about your relationship with PSEG and then more details on that analysis?
1: Sure. And the, the analysis itself, what we call the options analysis, is uh, on our, our website, so anybody can see it. But a little background. So going back to what I mentioned a, a minute ago, uh, LIPA bought the Long Island Lighting Company, this investor-owned utility, in 1998. And at the time, it was largely a financing transaction. And we only had, we had less than a dozen employees at headquarters. And so we essentially hired, uh, we bought Loco, but we hired Loco to run it. We hired the company that bought parts of the business that we didn't buy, like the gas business and the generation to, to run the utility on a day-to-day basis. And so that, that became market span, then Keyspan, and then that merged with National Grid. And they, be, they were our partners from 1998 through 2013. But then in 2014, we decided to go a different direction and we awarded that day-to-day operating contract to PSEG, which is a neighboring utility. And, you know, as you can imagine, like many muni utilities, we've thought about all the various business models over time, whether that's uh, public power, uh, fully public power or a P3 like what we use or or privatizing. Uh, But what happened that spurred our most recent uh, review is a storm that hit us in uh, August called Tropical Storm Isaias, and the storm restoration simply didn't go well. The storm landed on August 4th, and that afternoon it wasn't clear what happened because PSCG didn't tell us, but something clearly was not working well. And it turned out that it was our outage management system and our telephone systems had crashed. And so we had about a million customers that got busy signals when they called, 300,000 text messages bounced back, customers were receiving incorrect uh, estimated times of restoration, and there was just a total fog of war around the restoration. It was very inefficient. And so on August 5th, the the storm hit on August 4th, and like I said, we didn't know exactly what had gone wrong because we weren't getting accurate information from our service provider. But uh, we launched an investigation on August 5th, and what we found after the fact was that a lot of PSEG's representations to LIPA uh, simply weren't forthright. Uh, You know, they had said they had tested, stress tested the outage management system, which we had paid them to implement uh, on our behalf. We had given them all the money uh, to implement it and paid them to manage the IT for us on a day-to-day basis. They said that would withstand 90% of customers being out, um, you know, so on and so forth. And it just turned out that that a lot of that stuff was not accurate. And even worse than that, what we found out by uh, subpoenaing their emails and their text messages was that they were aware going into the storm that the outage management system wasn't functioning properly, but they didn't tell us before, during, or after the storm. So with findings like that, as you might imagine, um, we pay PSEG a a premium to really deliver great service for our customers. We pay them about $80 million uh, in management fees, plus cover all the costs to run the business. And as you can imagine, with findings like that, our board was uh, tremendously, tremendously uh, interested in whether this was the best arrangement for the future. Uh, because every experience, every, you know, we weren't complaining because it was a big storm that hit Long Island, but, but these were really management failures. They were technology failures, they were entirely preventable, and there'd been a big loss of trust. And so uh, that, those findings, we put out a report that's sitting on our website that came out in November. And our board asked us to explore terminating the contract with PSCG and to uh, put out an options analysis, which we did in December, and we explored privatization, which uh, we determined would raise customer bills too much, about $32 a month. We explored renegotiating our contract with PSEG or hiring another utility and what we would need to have in a new contract or a better contract with PSEG that would uh, facilitate better management of our assets. Or we could manage the grid ourselves, uh, which would involve hiring about a dozen directors and vice presidents at headquarters, but could save us about $800 million. And so our board accepted that report at the end of December and gave us uh, until the end of April to explore changes with PSEG and explore the other business models and come back and report out on uh, a more detailed analysis. And so that's what we're in the process of doing. We're going to be reporting out at the end of April on that more detailed analysis on each of those alternatives and thinking about what the best way to manage LIPA's assets is in, in the future.
0: Okay, thanks for that great overview. Um, and kind of just sort, you know, wrap up question. Um, I Wanted to know what you, what your goals are in terms of uh, for for LIPA over the long term.
1: Sure, uh, really to be a great utility, deserving of our customers' trust, to uh, to satisfy our customers, be an excellent community partner, and uh, to really put some of the baggage behind us. You know, we mentioned why LIPA bought. Uh, We mentioned that LIPA bought LOCO, but that was really the history of a failed nuclear project. And um, unfortunately, for too long, we really haven't moved beyond it. And we're looking to move on in a very positive direction. So you hear us talking about it today. We're moving aggressively towards 100% carbon-free grid. We're putting our fiscal house in order. Our credit ratings have gone up. Uh, And we hired PSEG to really deliver uh, superior customer service to our customers. And we've been disappointed, and we're looking at what we need to do to make that a uh, management arrangement right. Because we're putting all the investments into the grid that we need to have really a first-rate, top-notch utility that our customers deserve. But we need to ensure that we have an effective management arrangement, whether that's with PSCG or another utility or managing the grid uh, ourselves. But you know, the short answer to your question of what are our what are our goals? Our goals are to really uh, be excellent and. Uh, and we have made a lot of progress over the last six or seven years, but some things we thought would work, uh, worked out uh, less well than we anticipated. Other things have been uh, really tremendous and worked out even better. You know, I mentioned offshore wind. We were doing a small offshore wind project, and now we find that there's 20,000 megawatts of, of policy commitments. We've got a lot of neighbors. So some things have worked out fabulously well, and, and some things uh, we need to course correct. And but our, our goal still always remains the same, to deliver an excellent utility for our customers.
0: All right, Tom. Well, thanks again so much for taking the time today. Given everything that you guys have got going on, it, it, I'm looking forward to covering all the news, starting with those storage RFPs in our, in our newsletter. Um, and, and obviously, um, there's a lot going on, a lot of irons in the fire. So we'd love to have you back at some point uh, in the future as a guest on our podcast.
1: Look forward to it. Thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time.
0: All right, thanks again Tom.